0: Good morning. It's October the 20th, and I'm Wimala, and today we'll sit for a bit, but first we'll read a few excerpts from Pema Children's new book, How We Live Is How We Die. So, kind of a gray day here after some sunny days, so it takes a little bit more energy, it seems, to Uh, to just rouse that feeling of joy or, uh, you know, not, not feeling a little, a little down with the gray weather. So it just means rousing more energy for that. So we've read the first chapter. Actually, they're short chapters. The first chapter in this book, the wondrous flow of birth and death. And I'd like to read some from the second chapter because it's a topic that I'm really interested in. And that's trying to understand consciousness more. Wow. (laughs) And then the next chapter is called Passing Memory. (laughs) So these look like some of these. Now, remember, she is a Tibetan Buddhist and something she'll be talking about maybe when she talks about the bardo that's a little different uh concept than we have in theravada buddhism so it's good to know and understand the differences so we can look at that and we can then we can kind of compare it or compare it with your own views but i think for a teacher to explain things in a universal way. Pema Chodron is excellent So for all of us. So why don't we read first and then we'll sit. Some people, this is in the second chapter, Continual Change. Some people believe that consciousness ends at the moment of death. Others believe it continues. What everyone can agree on, however, is that during our present lifetime, Things definitely keep going and as they keep going, they continually change. Things are constantly coming to an end and things are constantly coming into being. There is a continual process of death and renewal, death and renewal. This experience, which every living being goes through, is what is known as impermanence. The Buddha stressed impermanence is one of the most important contemplations on the spiritual path of all footprints. The elephants are outstanding. He said, just so of all subjects of meditation, the idea of impermanence is unsurpassed. Contemplating impermanence is the perfect way into the Bardo teachings and the teachings on death altogether. This is because Compared to those more difficult topics, continual change is easy to see and understand. The seasons change, the days change, the hours of the day change. We ourselves change all along, and we experience many changes from moment to moment. This happens all around us and within us, 24 seven, never stopping for an instant. Still, for some reason, we don't fully appreciate what's going on. We tend to behave as if things are more fixed than they really are. We're under the illusion that life will stay similar to how it is now. A vivid recent example has been the coronavirus pandemic. We took for granted that the world would keep going in a certain way, and then everything was suddenly turned on its head in ways we couldn't even imagine. Despite our lifetime experience with change, something within us never stops insisting on stability. Any change, even a change for the better, can feel a little unnerving because it seems to expose our underlying uncertainty about life. We'd rather think we have firm ground to stand on and see clearly that everything is always in transition. We'd rather deny the reality of continual change than accept the way things are. Holding on to the feeling of permanence also happens with our emotional states. Whether we feel good or bad, happy or sad, optimistic or pessimistic, we tend to forget the feelings are fleeting It's as if there's a mechanism that blocks us from remembering everything is always in flux. Our current state of anxiety or elation just seems to be how our life is. When we're happy, we become disappointed when our good feelings fade away. When we're unhappy, we feel stuck in our unpleasant emotions. So whether we feel good or bad, our illusion of permanence leads to problems. The Buddha spoke about our difficulty accepting impermanence when he taught on the three types of suffering. He called the first type, the suffering of suffering. This is the blatant agony of war, starvation, terrifying environments, abuse, neglect, tragic loss, or a series of severe diseases. It's what we usually think of when we talk about pain or suffering. So that's the first type of pain, of suffering, of dukkha. The people and animals who are in these situations go from one suffering to the next with hardly a break. Some people are fortunate enough not to be experiencing the blatant suffering of suffering. <clears throat> Excuse me. Compared to what others are going through, currently things are pretty good, but we still have the pain that comes from the fact that nothing lasts. We experience delight, but it alternates with disappointment. We experience fulfillment, but it alternates with boredom. We experience pleasure, but it alternates with discomfort. This alternation and all the hope and fear it brings up is itself a great source of pain. This second type of suffering, which the Buddha simply called the suffering of change, lurks in our gut as the painful knowledge that we can never really get all that we want. We can never get our life to be just the way we want it to be once and for all. We can never reach a position where we're always feeling good. We may sometimes feel comfortable and satisfied, but as my daughter once remarked, that's the problem because things go well for us just often enough. We keep coming back to the false hope that we could keep it going that way. We think if I just do everything right, I can always feel great. I think this is some of what's behind drug abuse and all our other addictions. The underlying addiction is to this dream of lasting pleasure and comfort. All the world's religions and wisdom traditions speak about the futility of striving for happiness by investing ourselves in things that don't last. When we hear these teachings, they don't surprise us. And for a while, we may even feel convinced by them. We may even start to think it's ridiculous to strive for happiness in such a fruitless way. But as soon as we think of a new thing we want, (laughs) all this wisdom tends to go out the window. And then it's just a matter of time before impermanence spoils our brand new thing. Even if we don't spill coffee on it the morning after it arrives, our pleasure fades away sometime in the not too distant future. The classic example is falling in love. In the beginning, it's the greatest high there could ever be. From there, it can easily turn into the greatest disappointment. When the high fades away, if the lovers want to stay together, they need to overcome their disappointment and go deeper with their relationship. Many couples manage this transition, transition beautifully, but even so, that initial absolute pleasure of two people falling in love is over. The third type of suffering, known as all-pervasive suffering, happens at a deeper and subtler level than the first two. This is the constant discomfort that comes from our basic resistance to life as it really is. We want some solid ground to rely on, but that's just not in the cards. The reality is that nothing ever stays still, even for an instant. When we examine very closely, we see that even the most apparently stable things are constantly changing. Everything is on the move and we never know which direction things are headed. If even mountains and boulders are unpredictably moving and changing, how can we find security in anything? This constant feeling of groundlessness and insecurity quietly pervades every moment of our life. It is the subtle discomfort that underlies both the suffering of suffering and the suffering of change. Again, we can look at falling in love. A big part of the thrill is the freshness this new love brings to our life. Our entire world feels fresh. But as time goes on, we start wanting everything to remain exactly the way we like it to be. This is when all pervasive suffering rears its head and the honeymoon phase comes to an end. As the freshness fades away, the lovers begin to notice certain things, such as how the other one is stingy or overcritical. Somehow the veil is lifted and they begin to find each other irritating just for being how they are. What often happens next is they start trying to improve each other to make their partner shape up, but that approach only makes things worse. The only way relationships really work is when both people are able to let things be and work with each other as they are. This means overcoming some of their general resistance to life as it is rather than life as they want it to be. We often hear people say things like, don't worry, it will all work out. I've always taken this to be an attempt to reassure us that things will eventually work out the way we want them to be. But so much of the time, we don't get what we want. And even when we do, our pleasure is only fleeting. And much of the time, we get what we don't want. Ah, the vicissitudes of life. Trungpa Rinpoche had a saying about this, trust not in success, trust in reality. Believing things will work out the way we want them to is trusting in success, success on our terms. But from our own experience, we know very well that success is unreliable. Sometimes things do work out in the manner we like. Sometimes they don't. Trusting in reality is a much more open and relaxed frame of mind. Reality is going to take place one way or another. We can count on it. It is actually very profound and at the same time completely straightforward. Reality refers to things just as they are, free of our hopes and fears. Knowing this to be the case, we can be open to pleasure and pain, success and failure, as opposed to feeling subjected to a personal vendetta when we don't get the job, when we don't get the partner, when we get sick. This is a radical approach. I'll read that again. This is a radical approach. It goes completely against our conventional way of looking at things. We can be open to both the wanted and the unwanted. We know that they will change just as the weather will change. And like good and bad weather, success and failure are equally part of life. All pervasive suffering is our constant struggle against the fact that everything is wide open, that we never know what's going to happen, that our life is unwritten and unfolds as we go along, and that there's very little we can do to control it. We experience this struggle as a persistent hum of anxiety in the background of our life. This all comes from the fact that everything is impermanent. Everything in the universe is in flux. The solid ground we walk on changes from instant to instant. However, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, it's not impermanence that makes us suffer. What makes us suffer is wanting things to be permanent when they are not. We can continue to resist reality, or we can learn to frame things in a new way, seeing our life as dynamic and vibrant an amazing adventure, then we will truly be in contact with the freshness of each moment, whether we think our lover is perfect or not. If we can embrace continual change in this way, we'll start to notice the hum of anxiety quieting down and slowly, slowly fading away. So contemplating impermanence is the perfect way into these teachings, and we can all do it. We can all meditate on uh, impermanence, so that was less on uh that was less on consciousness. <laughs> So she starts out saying that some people believe that consciousness ends at the moment of death. Others believe it continues. What everyone can agree on, however, is that during our present lifetime, things definitely keep going. And as they keep going, they continually change. Sometimes we forget that. We just don't want them to change and it creates even more problems. So." her writing is is certainly easy to read and understand so I really appreciate it and she really she makes her point and it and is well spoken so why don't we sit and we can contemplate impermanence so If you just allow yourself to just be aware of impermanence while we sit, notice how your breath changes and maybe you go from feeling cold to hot or comfortable or uncomfortable. You may feel relaxed one moment and suddenly something begins to uh, make you feel restless. You want to get up and go check the mail or something. Or you might just feel like you want to itch, uh, whatever. Just think about how these things are all marks of impermanence. Think about impermanence in your life. So contemplating, so we're going to meditate on impermanence. So we don't have to think about it. What we can do is see it around us and in us and observe it arising. Or observe, uh, if we're feeling, if we start feeling like I'm in the perfect position and then all of a sudden see it change, just see how everything changes. So we don't have to think about it. We, let's observe it in our bodies and, and around us as we, as our senses make contact with the world. So start out by being aware of your posture, so let your body be in a meditation posture so it knows that that's what you're doing. And then be aware of your breath because we always can come back to the breath. So we stay aware of the breath so we know that's our anchor to come back to. If we start daydreaming or get sidetracked into thinking, any thinking we can just let it rise up and pass away. We are just observing impermanence. You may even observe uh, different thoughts than your usual thoughts. Or maybe you've had anxiety previously and now you can be aware that you're not feeling that anxiety. That's changed. So observe everything. Observing impermanence. observing impermanence even in this short time that we've been sitting i'm sure you've seen lots of marks of impermanence in our own bodies maybe there was a sound bothering you and that just disappeared Maybe the temperature's gone from being too cold to just right, or too warm to too cold. Maybe thoughts were crowded up in your head and they kind of eased off after we began to sit, or maybe they ramped up. Just sitting or staying in one position may have started out to be comfortable and changed. So it's easy to observe impermanence if we just pay attention. Take some time to observe the impermanence in your body. and realize that that's happening everywhere. So as we end our time together, may everything we do and say and think today be for our benefit, not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all other sentient beings everywhere. So, thank you, thank you for being a part of my practice. And uh, if you're getting a lot of uh, freezes and breaks, maybe you're getting them right now. But sometimes if you wait to watch or listen, a lot of those uh, are gone after everything gets downloaded.